Hey friends, Ashton Gustafson here. Welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. I hope you and yours are doing well. We are joined for the third time, Mark Nepo 3.0. You guys know he's been... um, such a steadfast and consistent voice for us here at the podcast. Uh, Almost every day I begin uh, with one of his uh, readings from the Book of Awakening, Uh, and he's been been a mentor to me from afar. We've never met face-to-face, but his words uh, have been beautiful uh, and such a light for me over these last few years. Um, Coming out May 5th, the Book of Soul. So another book is coming out. Uh, from Mark, and uh, I've just started to be able to dig into it. It's beautiful. We're going to get into that today. Uh, but with that being said, Mark Nikbo, welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I so appreciate it, and thanks for your, your kind words. Well, uh, they are the truth, and um, I just had this thought, you know, I, I was like, if if there's a voice that we need uh, today at, at our conversation at Good, True, and Beautiful, it's yours. How are you? Uh, how are you doing? Where are you today? And and in this world that's shifted so fast in the next yeah. last few weeks, how are you doing? Uh, well, thank you. Well, you know, I'm here in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is home, and we are have been and are sheltered in place like so many people. And um, and you know, I think like everyone, I, we can start right there. You know, everyone, this is a, a, a struggle, and it's amazing to me that you know no amount of wisdom exempts us from the human journey mm. doesn't matter how much you study how much you learn uh, uh, wisdom supports our turn at being here it doesn't provide a shortcut mm. so what does that mean that means you know um, I f- I'm finding that and you know from my work I'm a long-term cancer survivor over 30 years that that some of what we're experiencing collectively echoes for me some of what I went through during my cancer journey, you know. So uh, those days and these days, they they were uh, a roller coaster. Every day was up and down, filled with unknown, uncertainty, and always a little catch of fear somewhere in the day. And so, you know, I think that the things that we in our, quote, normal whatever that means, life, uh, in the normal uh, up and down in waves of circumstance, all the things that we are asked to practice, um, they get heightened in times of adversity and crisis. So, you know, we all have to deal with fear and how to right-size it. But I think particularly now, you know, I remember when I was going through my cancer journey, I had uh, you know, all, even the well-intentioned, even good doctors and nurses, everybody would speak beyond what they knew. So I would know this is what this is where we are. This is what the next steps look like. And then everyone would launch into rather than saying, I don't know, they would either paint very rosy pictures or doomsday pictures. Hmm. And I And I find that one of the things that that we're called to do right now, all of us, I, I feel it every day, is I, I, how do I listen to what's happening in our world and understand just what is? And then, you know, because on TV, meaning well, everybody at a certain point starts to speak beyond what they know. Yeah. Yeah. 
and they start, you know, perpetuating fear or, and, you know, I th so I think we're all being challenged to become more intimate with the unknown and, and not, uh, sometimes we prefer even dark futures to the uncertainty. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you always have just you you'll end sentences and I'll go wait a minute we need to go back to that that, <laughs> that was a big that was a big big you mentioned um, wisdom supporting us in the midst of uncertainty um, talk to me about wisdom supporting us and and wisdom not being a way to jump over the uncertainty, but being the support system that helps us navigate through uncertainty. Yeah, so all the spiritual traditions, all the sages and saints, whoever you name them to be, you know, all the people that we admire in life that we learn from, our elders, you know, everybody, everybody's just taking notes, comparing notes on what it is to be here. No, nobody has ever known how to do this. <laughs> you know, and and that's the starting point. <laughs> and, and therefore, you know, um, we are, we, we are heart filled examples for each other. I always am careful to say when I'm teaching and when I'm blessed to be with folks that, you know, what I offer are examples, not instructions. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, every, it's amazing that every generation, every life, is given the chance to live as fully as possible, to love as fully as possible, and to do that and grow by meeting the the life of obstacles, because they're always there, and to deal with love and loss and grief and pain, because these are all archetypes. You know, so what what is an archetype? Well, an arch Carl Jung kind of coined that phrase, but being a poet, I always understand things visually, and and I think what he was speaking to is that there are path, you know, an arch. Think of an arch that you walk through. There was a great, the Arch of Septimus was the gateway to ancient Rome. This huge, enormous arch that was created. Well, the archetypes are thresholds or passages that every person who ever lives goes through. Mm -hmm. But we all go through it uniquely because we're you individuals. But we all go through, so we all go through birth, we all go through death, we all go through fear, we all go through love, loss, grief, and so the wisdom, the the stories and lessons, whether they're personal or traditional or you know, they all give us support for our turn when we discover our own wisdom. And as I mentioned, they're not like, oh, if I look at this, I'll be able to skip over this. That's right. No. <laughs> no, that, that, that's not going to work that way. <laughs> I love it. I, I love the, uh, I mean, that's helpful on even just pulling the word arch out of archetype and realizing it's something to move through. Um, that's helpful. Helpful. For and, me. and, you know, uh, I don't know if you had ever heard of, but in the 60s, he, I mean, he lived longer than that, but he was very well known in the 60s. Ivan Illich who was a sociologist, wonderful sociologist, very insightful. But toward the end of his life, in an interview, he defined spiritual hospitality as helping another cross a threshold. Mm. That was it. Beautiful. 
I love that. Yeah. And and as because it's also inherent in that is it doesn't say that the person helping is is judging whether it's a worthy threshold or not. Well, mm-hmm. I'll help you if you would go this way. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't tell you how to do it. It's that when you're having to pass through an arch or an, a threshold or a passage, you know, spiritual hospitality is I I simp- I help you. Yeah. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I just help you go from through that threshold. Beautiful. I love it. We're just a couple minutes in and we're already swimming in the deep waters. <laughs> um, so May 5th, the Book of Soul. Now this is, uh, you, you changed your format a little bit. Um, you've got 52 entries. So you kind of made this book uh, to be like a weekly reflection to allow these uh, essays and narratives and reflections to really speak to the reader for every seven days. Um, yeah. And, and you've got amazing endorsements, Melinda Gates, Ariana Huffington. Um, talk to me about the Book of Soul um, with so many books that you've written that, that are soul-filled. Why, why the Book of Soul? Why now? Well, you know, the, this journey, and, you know, this is my 22nd book, which seems an impossible <laughs> sentence to say, I never would have dreamt that any of that would be possible. But, you know, I've just been a lifelong, I feel like I've been an inner explorer. Mm-hmm. And each book is kind of a, uh, you know, a working uh, log or journal or or exploratory, um, you know, map of, of where the journey has taken me. So, you know, <clears throat> and, and each one is <clears throat> my inner curriculum. So... I don't write books to share what I know. They're the trail of what I've learned. And I, each one is an inquiry. And when I started this book, which was three, four, five years ago, um, you know, it turned out, I thought it would be the next kind of part of my exploring. But it, it turned out that that the journey led me to kind of a... a it was it's this book is kind of a integration of learnings from all the other books. I found myself really saying, "Oh, back in the book on inner courage, I was first exploring this and then I touched on it in a different way in the endless practice and oh, I get it. Oh, there actually those two insights are pointing me to this greater insight." So there's a lot of culminating uh work in this book and I you know all of my books I try I've always um, for quite a while now offer you know questions journal questions dialogue questions things meditations so to offer the reader a chance to personalize whatever's happening uh, there if it speaks to you and you know I've always invited people to take their time and not just be in conversation with the book, but to be in conversation with themselves. And so when, when it, it appeared like I put a little more structure to that by, by uh, asking people to do this once a week so that there are 52 chapters and you have a little bit of a, uh, uh, a guidance and a, and a little bit of structure to, to be in that conversation with me and with yourself. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think it'll be really helpful just uh, f- 
from the author perspective to kind of just grant that space, you know, not demanding that the pages must turn, kind of allowing the pages just to sit uh, with the reader for some days. Yeah, to kind of, you know, read something, take something in, a story, a metaphor, a question, and then enter your life Mm -hmm. and say, where does that live in my life before going forward to the next few pages? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, you you come at many themes that I think are, um, in in some way, uh, a kaleidoscope of one theme. And I want to just kind of walk through some of those. Sure. Um, one of the first ones was this idea of like the purpose of suffering is to exhaust us of what of our differences, but the purpose of love is to awaken us to how we're basically same in the heart space. T- talk to me about the purpose of love, the purpose of suffering, and, and really how it does link us all back together. Yeah, and I think that, of course, my experience has informed and created you know, my lens over the years and being a long-term cancer survivor and almost dying in my 30s helped me see suffering <clears throat> in ways that I don't know if I ever would have. And so I do, you know, a couple of things. Let's talk about suffering first. And that, you know, suffering, and nobody likes it. We don't sign up. We don't say, oh, well, hey, sign me up for that. <laughs> no, no. Um, but I've come to understand that suffering for human beings is similar to what erosion is for nature. And, and you know, all the things in nature are worn to their inner beauty. You know, we go, we, we save up and when we could, right now we're not, but we, you know, when we could travel and fly, you know, we save up and go on vacation and go to, you know, the cliffs of Mohar in Ireland or to the, on, in the north side of the island of Barbados are, are these amazing cliffs called the hollows. And it's right at the point where the Atlantic and the Caribbean oceans have just been, you know, wearing that shore for a thousand years and you know we don't know because rocks don't speak in the language we do at least (laughs) you know we go there and we go my god they're beautiful and those cliffs could be saying i'm getting this shit pounded out of me (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, and and i think that you know so that says that we are as human beings you know life has been made just difficult enough that we need each other which ensures the journey of love. And so I will be eroded of all uh, until what's left is unbreakable and eroded to my inner beauty if I can withstand it. And of course, no one can do that alone. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and so one more image that helps was a teacher about this. I was traveling, um, Years ago, my first on on the West Coast, I was driving down US One, all those beautiful cliffs, and along the Pacific, and down near Monterey, and further down in Big Sur, and around Monterey, you know, there's these little kind of stone croppings offshore that are just like little small stone islands, and it was a turbulent day, a rough sea, and there on this one, not that big, you know. It was, it was completely covered with wildlife, otters, coromants, seagulls, seals. 
And, you know, normally these animals are territorial or they won't get that close to each other. But, you know, they all had climbed up on this rock. They were literally almost laying on top of each other, like sleeping and resting. And that was that teaching, you know. In ordinary days, they would keep their distance and bark or, you know, whatever. And uh, But here, because the sea was rough, they were exhausted of their differences. And when they were exhausted of their differences, there was room enough on that rock for everybody. Mm. What a teaching for us. So that, that leads us to, you know, sooner or later, I mean, the purpose I do think of all love is that when we uh, are real, authentic, vulnerable, tell the truth of our experience, we discover yeah, we're all at heart the same. All the traditions speak about this. They have different names and stories about it, but we are, and that's where compassion leads us, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, one of my mentors, Father Richard Rohr, always says it's either great love or great suffering that, that kind of is the doorway to our transformation. Um, and I think you would call transformation the... Uh, the the path to staying open to consistently staying open, which you always also teach that opening helps us. <clears throat> excuse me, opening helps us live more fully. Um, yes. T- talk to me about suffering, love leading to openness, and that openness being the place from which we actually live more authentic and true lives. Yeah. So, so everything in nature. I mean, certainly, first, let's just say there, there is, you know, we continually open and close, you know, uh, even physically, you know, as I'm speaking, my lungs are opening and contracting, my muscles are, you know, everything. So there is a rhythm in life, uh, but in a more deep way, everything has to stay open to stay alive. Mm-hmm. Look at just take circulation in the body. You know, every organ, uh, no one organ owns the blood. If it closed off and tried to, the body would die. The, all the organs share the blood. And in the same way, no one person owns spirit. If we try to, we will die. If there is a circulation of spirit, and when it passes through me, um, then for the time it's in me, I call it my soul or my inner voice, every tradition or Atman or Dharma or, you know, life force or Holy Ghost or you got a thousand names. But it circulates. It circulates. In order for life to circulate, it we have to stay open. The same thing, light cannot, you know, light moves through every opening and it only takes a small amount of light. If you've ever been like in an old building or a barn or something, you know, all it takes is one little crack and the light, the sunlight coming through that crack will fill the entire barn. And so, so yes, we, we, we need to stay open. Um, and even, you know, in, in the life of trees between roots and the rest mm-hmm. of the tree. Yeah. 
every everything is flowing and it's particularly important right now that you know you, you could say someone could say man we have all this you know terrible disease fear uh survivals at stake going on how i don't know if we don't have time for an inner life well this is precisely why we need an inner life and let's look at the tree as a metaphor for this you know that trees now certainly we know trees can be uprooted in 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 tornadoes and severe hurricanes but most of the time trees survive storms because their roots are deep and their trunks are wide and even at the top of the tree it's the branches that sway sensitively to all of life and even sometimes you know a branch here or there will break or fall off but the tree is solid and that's why we have to stay open and why we need an inner life so that our roots are deep and our trunk is wide so we can endure uh times like this beautiful you meant you said uh no one owns spirit um walk me through the human journey of of uh as that becomes more true for each individual how how you then start to entrust that same reality for everyone. So when you realize that no one owns spirit, um, that in your lives, your relationships, your vocation, you start to kind of offer it almost as a gift to everyone, do you not? Well, yeah, you know, Pablo Neruda, the great Chilean poet, has a line that says, it is all a borrowing of bones. (laughs) And, uh, you know, that no one owns anything. It moves through us and certainly while we're alive we give voice to it and and we but but love does bring us together and um and you know my earlier book we're more to uh, more together than alone that we are more together than alone and all of our experience you know um it was emerson ralph waldo emerson who he suggested that that our our experience releases wisdom to us one experience at a time you know so i've taken to the way i talk about that and hold it in myself is that every person you me we all have our own language or dialect of wisdom and every experience decodes Mm. a word in our language of wisdom and we don't learn it until we live it so the so each experience gives me a word to add to that wisdom that i then you know i mean one of the things that's important i think especially now is that you know people who suffer have a wisdom the rest of us need and since we all suffer we all have wisdom and especially at this time i think it's important to ask each other what do you what do you see for what you've been through that I don't see? What can you share? You know, I have a small poem of mine that goes like this. The mystery is that whoever shows up when we dare to give has exactly what we need hidden in their trouble. Beautiful. You repeat that? Yeah, the mystery is that whoever shows up 
when we dare to give, has exactly what we need hidden in their trouble. Wow. Speaking of metaphors, uh, I feel like I always leave my conversations with you with a lot more of them in my pocket uh, <laughs> than when I came. And, and um, the biggest one for me in, in the Book of Soul was this second womb metaphor. And yeah. uh, really, that's, that's the juice of this book, I think, is the journey into and, and, and maybe the constant pattern of our lives always moving from womb to womb. Talk, talk to me about this second womb metaphor, because it, it, yeah. it, it clicked with me where I was like, oh, yes, we know those people. They, their, their presence, their posture, their way of moving and being in the world. It's, you can tell those who trusted the process in the second womb. Well, I think we're all in, and I appreciate that that spoke to you because that was there's always when I when I I'm, I say retrieve a book when I'm retrieving a book, um, there's always a metaphor or something that gives me a way in, and and that was the metaphor that gave me the way into this book. And so the metaphor is that you know we all know that physically, we gestate and form in a womb, and then we're birthed into the world. Um, and so this is the metaphor is that once here, we begin a second labor through which we gestate and are formed and through which our soul is born on earth through the life of our experience. And that's the second womb. That's the second birth that we can only, only uh, avail ourselves of by living the life we're given and facing what is ours to face, you know, and this brings up, you know, embodied wisdom, you know, have you heard that, you know, there's a, uh, out in Boulder, Colorado, Naropa university. Mm -mm. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've spoken there a few times and, you know, I'm always interested, you know, the first couple of times I was there, I say, well, why is it called Naropa? And, you know, no one really could tell me, but the third time that I was there, I did run into a, a professor who, who knew all of that and said, "Oh yes, let me tell you." <laughs> so, and it, and it really speaks to this. And so, Naropa, in in eleventh century India, and I can't remember exactly where, but you know, in a in a very the big city in there, um, Naropa was a a religious scholar, much like Euston Smith, who passed away a few years ago, was a comparative, you know, religion scholar of our day. He just, you know, Naropa back then, he knew all the different religions and traditions. He was the expert and he was kind of well known in his time. And the story is that he was walking down the street of the city when an old woman on a, with a cane was walking the other way. And as she got us alongside him, she stopped and she said, pointed her cane and said, aren't you Naropa? And he kind of puffed up, you know, he said, oh, yes, I am. And uh, getting ready to give an autograph, you know, and uh, and she said to him, do you know the heart of all those teachings? And he was taken off guard and felt kind of offended. And he said, of course I do. And she went, huh. And they started walking away from each other. And he got about 20 feet beyond her and he knew that he had lied. 
And he ran back and knelt before her and said, be my teacher. And so Naropa ever since has been a symbol of embodied wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that's the work of the second womb. And we don't, it's not like we, so let me, you know, it's not like we choose, well, okay, now that I'm here, I'll, I'll I'll sign up for a second. No, (laughs) we haven't, we're in it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do we go willingly and learn or resist? And, you know, there's a great Roman saying from Roman times uh, back then. It said, the fates lead those who are willing, those who are not, they drag. Mm. So we're going one way or the other. But are you going to participate? Yeah. Uh, Are you going to allow that second womb, um, the great love, the great suffering? And I always love connecting the dots. You know, it's great love, it's great suffering that that leads us to the second womb. It's great love, it's great suffering that allows us to reemerge from the second womb, uh, womb. But the other side of that is that uncovered light. That you write about, um, I think yeah. that's I think that's another very important metaphor to ground ourselves into is uh, great love, great suffering. It's actually where we are excavating all of these things that we've built around ourselves that that is blocking that light, and and this is just the process of how it becomes uncovered. Um, hold my hand, hold our hand on kind of getting to that place. I think you write of being the source of uncovered light. Yeah, so you know, uh, I I feel like every crack is an opening, and 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 when we are cracked, when we're broken open, more and more light comes out. And you know, the 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 great Sufi teacher Hazrat Iniyat Khan, he said, "God breaks the heart again and again and again until it stays open." And, and certainly again, like, you know, in the smaller, in the daily sense, we all open and close. We all have to make decisions. Are, are you trustworthy? Can I share, can I be vulnerable with you? Do I choose that? But under it all, I think what the uncovered light is that's in all of us is that, you know, the sun is a a great teacher in this regard because the sun emanates light and warmth in all directions without preference. That's what it is to be the sun. And our heart is like an inner sun. And our job is to never muffle the heart. So, yes, I have to make decisions about trust and where do I share and what do I do and where do I take risks. But that's like opening and closing the blinds. Our job inwardly is to never muffle or shut the inner sun that is the heart. To let that uncovered light, and sometimes, and I, I remember years ago, I found myself doing this, and it was a very important insight. You know that I was at a kind of a social gathering, and you know I was in a conversation with a bunch of people, and there was someone new to me, and this person turned out to be very kind of cutting and sarcastic, and you know, and I found myself, you know, uh, thinking, well, I'm not going to participate in this and I'm going to back up and withdraw, you know, not, but what I was doing is I was vanishing. Mm. I thought I was backing up. 
or closing the blinds, but I was muffling the inner light. And so I've always been aware since of, you know, our job is to never muffle that inner light. But yes, in the daily world of relationships and circumstance, we have to make choices of when to open and close those blinds. You also write um, about this idea of the world being our temple, and yeah. I, I wanted I wanted to walk this road with you because I, I feel like there maybe are some traditions where some people could read that and go, "Wait a minute, no, there's heaven is elsewhere, and uh, it's in an afterlife. We need to evacuate this place." And and you kind of bring it back to this reality of like, no, 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 no. You're, there is a there is on earth as it is in heaven, and this temple uh, is here. It's now. It's among us. You're in it. You can't escape it. Um, talk to me about the world being our temple. Well, I, I feel like, you know, we have always, and, and again, this is for me, we, we need all paths, and all paths lead us, I believe, to that that heaven is here on earth, and um we don't need to discover heaven on earth. We need to release heaven on earth by being here authentically, lovingly together. And, and so the notion that, you know, uh, we are all out, you know, I always say when I open retreats that the circle we're in is a resource and not a refuge and that it's all one world out there and in here. And so we are, um, uh, we practice, we try to learn meaning, you know, we take pause and we, whether we get together in a sangha or a temple or a church or a, a, a circle together of friends or a family, but all of that is, you know, the, our, I feel like we're compelled and challenged to be who we are everywhere. And since everywhere is sacred, our goal is, you know, Einstein said, our goal is to keep widening our circle of compassion. And that's a section in the book is widening our circle. And so the goal is not that, you know, we can't make the the world uh, only sacred where we, in our little circle, the goal is to keep expanding the circle so we have the wherewithal and the courage and the love to inhabit that yes the temple is the world yeah. Yeah. the you know just as the light the uncovered light comes out of me through my cracks to you yeah that that we we learn how to love in these smaller sacred circles so we can discover that the love is everywhere the temple is the world. The, the biggest temple of all has no walls. Hmm. Yeah. Father Richard always teaches, um, God shows up as your life. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just love, like, I, I realize how many exits and escape hatches that I think I need to go through when the truth is, if it's here, it's the temple. Um it's meant for our good. It's meant for our transformation. Yes, yes, very, very much so, very much so. And you know, and it's interesting. I, I, I uh, 
want to mention because I noticed it in your notes. I want to speak about something that that's uh, the last line of the book. Um, Which P.S. Can can <clears throat> I just say that I'm pretty sure I did like this victory lap around my house when I read the last sentence of that book. It's easily, <laughs> it's easily, and I'm going to read it here in a minute after you read it. It's easily the best sentence to end a book that I've read in in the last few years. So sorry, oh, well, just I just had to say that. Well, thank thank you, and I, <laughs> I want to share the story of it. Um, yes, please do. Because it also speaks to the, um, the how things show up. Uh, you know, beyond our intentions. And, um, so the la the last line of the book is, you know, only know this, that in place of wings, God gave us love. And, you know, before I, this book was ever on my radar screen to even enter years ago, <clears throat> probably maybe 10 or maybe 12 years ago now or, or, or more, I had written a poem and that was the last line of the poem. Mm. And, you know, as a poet, when a line like that comes, <clears throat> you just keep it no matter what, you know. And uh, I'd go to the tattoo parlor if I <laughs> <laughs> So that, that poem, um, which is called In Singing the Secrets, it's in my book of poems, The Way Under the Way. And when that book was published by Sounds True, um, about, <clears throat> let's see, about four or five years ago, um, I was, you know, of course, going through the book one more time. And now, which I never would have done when I was younger, but when I revised, when I got to that poem and I looked at it, <clears throat> I realized that the poem carried that line to me, but the line didn't belong in that poem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, years ago, I would have said, there's no way I'm taking that line off of anything, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And but after years enough, you know, I recognized, wow, this that that poem carried that line, but it doesn't belong there. So I saved the line. I I actually created a micro, uh, you know, a word document that all it had was that line on it, so I, I wouldn't lose lose I get it. it. I get it. I didn't know where <laughs> it was going. I I didn't have this. And then five more years later, I start writing this book, and when the book. Uh, when I got to the end of the book, I had everything but the last chapter. And so what I'd normally do is, you know, I looked back through the whole book and I wanted a story that would kind of be a a, a proper uh, coming together of the whole book. And that story came very, very quickly and very easily. And when I got to the end of the story... <laughs> I didn't know it, but until I got there, like like climbing a mountain and seeing the view, yeah. I got to the end of the story, and there was the line. Mm -hmm. So all those years ago, this line, which was the last sentence of this book, came to me before I ever even met the book. And I could have easily lost it. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt it. I literally, I felt it in my bones. I told my wife, I said, listen, listen to this. I think I texted a friend of mine. I was like, look how Nepo ends this book. <laughs> um, and uh, can I read that? Do you mind? Sure, sure. I don't know for book sales if it's my, the best idea for me to read the last paragraph of but your no, book. It's, but not, I... <laughs> it's, it's not a spoiler. No, it's not, it's not a spoiler. Um, yeah. And so you write, and so it goes. I wish this journey for you. 
I hope that everything in the world will speak to you. The river, the mountain, the city, the forest. And I wish you many teachers who will bring you to yourself. When we lift the pail together, something happens akin to stars sparking in the night. I have run out of ways to describe the journey. Only know this, that in the place of wings, God gave us love. Yeah, thank you. Brother Nepo, that is salty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. You read it very well. Thank you. Um, So it's all speaking. The river, the mountain, the city, the forest, COVID-19, the temple, it's all teaching us. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just, you know, for all your listeners, I just hope you're all safe and well and, um, and that you can stay, you know, uh, Governor Cuomo from New York said a beautiful thing about, uh, I thought that he said, you know, my aim is for us to all be physically distanced, but spiritually connected. Hmm. That's a good word. That's a good word. What would you invite our listeners into in this season of uncertainty, not knowing um, what's the inward posture. I know it's one of spirituality, but what are some of the great questions we can be asking ourselves? Well, I, I think the big thing, and I'm trying to practice this myself, is that when fear hooks us, and I, you know, every day there's like some. I am almost expecting it, it uh, that. Every day there's some moment or one thing that will hook my fear. And so then is to go, to use the tree analogy, don't, don't chase after it. Go the other way. Uh, go into the roots. Go deeper into your roots to the one point of solid ground in the moment where you are so you can start again. So I try to do that myself so that I can right-size because the, our, our, our goal for me, our, you know, our goal is to have our fear live in us, not have us live in our fear. Mm. And so that, yes, you're not going to eliminate fear. It's one of those archways. It's one of those archetypes. Yeah. But, but our job, which is very hard, you know, the Buddhists speak about seeing things as they are. This is a great time to practice. It's very simple and difficult is to... We inflate and we deflate, and the fear surges and the uncertainty, and and then to come back and see what's actually there. Breathe deeply, stand on solid ground, start again. Yep. Repeat. <laughs> repeat. Repeat. Um, well, May fifth, the Book of Soul comes out. Um, I know our listeners are going to go get a get a copy. MarkNepo.com is a great place to find you. You've got a page on Facebook, on Instagram, uh, any place particular you oh, would yeah. direct us. Uh, yeah, so you know the book is is uh, up for is on for pre order on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the the major booksellers. And I am during this time I'm I'm offering a. Uh, just to offer something, a uh, posting of a small video every day, just with a, a poem or a, a reflection, just to offer something. So folks can find me there. Beautiful, beautiful. 
Well, Mark, you are always welcome here at the table at Good, True, and Beautiful. Uh, as always, thank you for your good and necessary work in the world. Um, and uh, sending you a big hug from Texas. And um, anytime you want to come back on, you keep us on speed dial and we'll tee it up. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. And thank you for your good work. Okay. And you be well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. Hey friends, Ashton Gustafson here. Thanks so much for listening to this conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. We ask that if you did, would you mind just leaving us a quick review or share this episode with someone that you love? We would really appreciate that. And I also wanted to reach out and say, if I can ever be a resource for you, uh, if I can ever point you in the direction of a book, a voice, a mentor, uh, a direction that may help cultivate more love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness in your life, I'm all about that. Drop me an email, ashton at ashtongustafson.com, and I'd love to connect with you. Don't forget, as you approach this day, as you approach this week, as you approach this month, don't forget to pause by the orchid. Listen to the bluebirds sing and be loved.